Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. This episode is sponsored by RW Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Tonight's gonna get tubular. What does that mean? That that seems weirdly sexual. Like tubes. We're gonna tie some tubes. Tonight's gonna get tubular. What? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have survived. The three-hour <laughs> dumpster fire that was tonight's big game. It seems like as the season drags on, they have no content that can fill three hours, so they just pad it out with the same conversation again and again and again, and shots of nothing happening. But we did make it all the way through. There was some fantastic gameplay. There was some terrible gameplay. We're going to get to all of that. But before we do, we have to tell you how to win The Bachelor mm. is now available for pre-order. And tonight, something we did see in one of the commercials was the next promo for Michelle Young season. And it looks like there's a player who comes into the game that has literal pamphlets and shit they've created with strategies on them. Folders. Yeah. <laughs> 
40 WR folders. So this idea of people coming in with strategies and game plans is not going anywhere. It is only ramping up. They're now seemingly using it as a, a piece of the narrative in every season. And our book is going to come out mm-hmm. January 18th. Once that happens, you're not going to need your pamphlets. You're not going to need your folders. You'll have it all in one <laughs> handy book. You can read that before you come in. Don't bring it in with you, though. Or do. That'd be a great commercial. But if you're not a player and you just want to read about these strategies and understand the game from a more intricate standpoint, please go to howtowinthebachelor.com. You'll find everything you need there to pre-order this book. And if you do, you can then upload a picture of your receipt and you'll be put in a contest. 15 people are going to win autographed copies of this book. Five people are going to win autographed copies of this book and a private Zoom with Pace Case and myself. Three people are going to win autographed copy of the book, private Zoom with Pace Case and myself, and a contraband t-shirt that we produced and never released for reasons you will understand once you receive the t-shirt. And then one lucky person is going to receive the autographed book, the contraband t-shirt, the Zoom with us, and a special mystery prize, the likes of which really only a few people in the world have access to this. So you will also have that access. (laughs) So if that appeals to you, please go to howtowinthebachelor.com, pre-order the book. We need your help trying to reach a goal of 10,000 copies sold so that we can get on the New York Times bestseller list and then hopefully sell our own show, which will be a dating sport for this generation. Extravaganza. We do have dual contests, our second contest in our race to sell 10,000 books and become a New York Times bestseller is that at 25% of our goal, we are going to have the world release of the song Bottom of the Pit, which Clues composed and performed himself. (laughs) If we reach 50% of that goal, we are going to do an IG live from the shadow of the mansion. If We reach 75% of our goal. We are going to compete versus each other in a hooju competition if Clues does not keep IFIing in anticipation of it, building up some sort of miraculous injury. An IFI doesn't mean I won't compete. You think an injury will stop me from winning? I think you're trying to get some sympathy points in a possible vote. I don't need sympathy. I'm going to have skill. I'm going to have poise. I'm going to have beauty in my hooju routine. Yes, I may injure myself, but I'm going to leave it all on the field. You'll see no tear play from me on this day. I have not decided if I'm going to incorporate tears into my hooju. If we reach 100% of our goal, 10,000 books, there's going to be a mystery prize that is a gift for the whole pit. For the whole world, really. But those are our contests. Please join us if you feel so inclined. Again, it's at howtowinthebachelor.com. You'll find everything you need there to get the book, to sign up for the contest. And we can't wait to give away these prizes. I think everyone who gets one will enjoy them quite a bit, especially that one person who's going to get the ultra mystery prize. I think their lives may be changed by it in some way. Some people are calling it the Holy Grail. I would argue that's accurate. Incredibly accurate. At any rate. Anyway. Now let's begin what we came to do here tonight. We're going to break down all the best plays, all the worst plays, all the best players, all the worst players, and we're going to talk about some creatures. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Bachelor in Paradise, Season 7, Episode 10. I loved it. I survived it. I can't believe I did 
It was very hard to get through. There was so much of nothing happening in this. I was just like, what What are they doing to us? I get that they got to sell ads and shit and they got a three-hour block sold this week. Fine, but fuck. Put something in the episode. You could have cut two hours out of this and given me the same information. Three hours is too long. Some of us have podcasts to do after it. <laughs> I don't even mind the three hours. Just make it filled with things that have information. We'll get to like how shitty it was in terms of its construction. But we open this episode with a promo as we open all episodes. We see McKenna and Anna Redman are going to come back into the beach. And it looks like Kenny and Mari might be on the rocks again. And Ivan gets a recap reel about his entire season, which makes you immediately know he's leaving. They show him getting together with Jacinia in this promo. They show that relationship falling apart. They show him being desperate. They show him walking with Kendall, kissing Chelsea. And Lil John then asks in this promo, what's going on with Ivan? <laughs> this was something that usually we'll get a recap of some of a villain villing, and it'll be footage from the document. We actually have Lil John basically saying we should all hate Ivan here in this recap. Immediately. You know the producers from this first one minute little promo. You know the producers have something in store for Ivan that is not going to be nice. They're about to fucking destroy him. It's all laid out for you here. And they even give him the preemptive in memoriam reel when they're showing you his relationship and it has that kind of weird filter on it that makes it a little dreamy. But that is how we end the promo with finally Ivan's story concludes with him and Aaron bumping chess. And then portion one begins with this super weird opening shot. I don't know if you noticed this. It starts, this episode starts on these leaves of a plant and it does like this weird slow pan up to the waves in the distance. Mm -mm. I don't understand what the tone of this shot is. I don't know what it's meant to convey. And it's super long and it gives you the the tone you're now going to be experiencing for the rest of the episode. This is nothing <laughs> and it's going to keep going forever. <laughs> <laughs> We're back in the fight. There's not much going on, though. Ivan keeps saying keep that same energy. Aaron asks him why his lip is quivering. You know, Aaron, he's a professional rival man. He's and Ivan points this out. He says, you've attacked every dude on this beach. And Aaron can't get over how Ivan lied to him. He discusses this with his boy, James. Meanwhile, we see Ivan telling everyone that Chelsea Vaughn pulled him, a fact that will be important. Aaron is telling James Ivan's a bitch. James is getting him worked up again. Natasha, keeper of the process, calls Ivan desperate in her ITM. And Ivan calls Aaron a kid to everyone. The shit where like, Everybody's weighing in on this, but the podcast hosts are really getting their due in these colorful narrator mm -hmm. ITMs where they're weighing in. And Natasha is like, this situation is whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't understand. This is the same thing they did with Grocery Store Joe. The situation doesn't affect her at all. Just as with Grocery Store Joe with all the Brennan and Piper shit, it doesn't affect him at all. But they're sending in their podcast hosts to do these kind of like upkeep of the attitude of the show. That it's like, you can't mm -hmm. lie, you can't break these rules, you can't do whatever. And they're doing it here again. And I know it also is to like give their podcast host screen time. But I just found it interesting that in the kind of cascade of ITMs <laughs> that they let all these different players do about this situation again, that affects none of them, they get their time on camera to talk about it. It's like an arbiter of morality, too. They're making moral judgments. Totally. 
and the same judgments aren't passed on. I mean, we're going to get to some other shit that happens in this episode, but the same judgments are not passed on other players who do the same things, especially when it's like just shit mm-hmm. in paradise. We're like, oh, they went off and kissed or they went off and did whatever, you know, some people will get run out of paradise for that. I'm talking about Chris Connor and Alana Milt. And then when Aaron does it with Tia, well, Tia's a different kind of player, isn't she? She's an official Bachelor Nation podcast host now in Bachelor Happy Hour. So, of course, that's going to be a little different. We'll get to it. Sorry. <laughs> Portion two. Aaron apologizes in front of the group, says, I apologize if I was overly angry. I never want to display emotions immature. Ivan tells him that Chelsea Vaughn initiated their chat, but then we literally see flashbacks of him initiating the chat at the bar. Is this the first time we've ever seen this where producers use footage to basically contradict what a player is saying, to expose a lie? I don't think I've ever seen this in any Bachelor game of any type ever. We see flashbacks pretty consistently, but they're usually to do with a relationship. Here's what Kendall and Grocery Store Joe were like when they were dating or Mm. something along those lines. I, I can't imagine this is the first time because I could see them using editing to villainize someone, but it's hard to remember. They don't do it often. Yeah. Whatever the case, whether it is the first or not, this is like a clear hit job. They're basically saying like, yeah. Ivan is a piece of shit. Hate him, audience. Hate him, players. We are giving you carte blanche to do that. They had Lil John hating him. They never <laughs> have the voiceover <laughs> narrative hating a player. Not Lil John. Not you too, <laughs> Lil John. Not Lil John. We must protect Lil John. I miss him. Riley jumps in to defend Ivan. Aaron says, why are you yelling? Riley says, you want the smoke. James tells Aaron he has his back either way, but Aaron wants to leave. And James says, why don't you let Chelsea decide? And the whole crux of this fight is that Aaron is mad. Ivan took the initiative to pull Chelsea. Ivan maintains she pulled him. Completely inconsequential. Who gives a shit? Yeah. What does it actually matter in the context of all of this stuff? It doesn't matter. They kiss. They kind of like each other. Who cares who's getting a fucking rose? None of you have known each other for that long. It's the unofficial rules, Clues. You don't pull when you said you're not interested in anyone on the beach. How dare you? But it's also like this weird morality like you were talking yeah. about. It's like, I'm not mad that you and Chelsea talked. I'm mad that you lied to me and that can never happen. Everyone in paradise must be completely honest at all times with everyone. It's like, no, motherfucker, it's a game, dude. And granted, you're playing it too. And maybe you're going to win this round. But ultimately, anybody's free to play these games in whatever way they want. That's how I feel about <laughs> it anyway, you know. And his lie wasn't like a crazy one. It was just like, yeah, she talked to me first or I talked to her first. I don't know. This whole thing to me is like they were blowing something up just to have something to show us. Absolutely. The entire Ivan piece of this lasted for 45 fucking minutes, which we'll get to. We're we're not even through it yet, obviously. But that's where we're at with the kind of context of what the fight is. Chelsea comes back. She says she didn't pull Ivan. He asked her to go talk. Marissa ITMs, Ivan straight up lied to everyone. By the way, with Chelsea, in quotes, coming back, well, where the fuck was she? Why is she not there? The producers are just holding her back for fucking half an hour so the fight can keep brewing. Because if she walks into it, she can end it immediately. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. He pulled me. There's no fight. It's over. They're purposely holding her back. I wouldn't be surprised if they told Ivan when he was doing his ITMs, just tell him that she pulled you. It'll be fine. That way, Aaron won't be pissed and it'll smooth everything Mm. over. I totally wouldn't be surprised if they did that. 
because we're going to find out a little bit later that they did something insanely sinister to him. And I think doing something like that, just telling him to lie, I think is like totally within their realm of possibility. Natasha ITMs that Ivan's a liar. Aaron tells Chelsea that everyone ganged up on him and it sucked. And everyone laughed at him. They kiss. Chelsea says she doesn't fuck with liars. And Natasha ITMs, Aaron's been a loyal person the whole time. Ivan is just trying to play a strategic game. And Wells announces it's time for Rose. At the Rose ceremony, Aaron ITMs that Ivan is a sketchy guy, doesn't have morals, and is lacking integrity. And Wells interrupts the Rose ceremony, says something has come up I have to deal with first. Something last night at the hotel when we were sheltering from the storm. Ivan, can you come with me? And Wells here is playing the old role of Dark Lord Harrison. Unfortunately, Wells lacks any semblance of authority. And I he just does not pull this off, in my opinion. He's kind of a, I'm your friend. I'm your funny buddy. That's not going to work when you're trying to reprimand somebody for breaking, in quotes, the rules of the game or whatever you want to call it, going against the producer's idea of what you should be doing on the beach. This, to me, was like, you got to have somebody different from Wells to be the enforcer. He can be an STCO. He can be a funny guy who's doing little bits. Maybe he can't even be that. He tries to do a bit later at the prom that's just like... That ain't it, dude. Wait, I don't even know what you're talking about. What bit? When he was at the prom and he gets up on the stage and he's like, okay, everybody, now we're going to do the King and Queen. He's trying to do like a weird radio announcer voice. Oh, he was doing an accent. I was like, what is this accent? Terrible. Just doesn't work. I think what he's proven in this, they've given him a little more to do than just be the, the bartender and he can't do it. I think that's what we've learned this paradise. At least that's what I've learned watching <laughs> Wells. But um, yeah, he pulls Ivan for this. And he says that it's something that happened in the hotel while they're sheltering from the storm. And they sit down <laughs> on the fucking beach. <laughs> He's like, Ivan, do you have something to tell me? And it's like, motherfucker, you're like pouring my drinks and making jokes about people. The bartender? <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you're yeah. calling people scallop fingers on like prior shows. Like, do I have to do this? Unfortunately, yes, you do. The producers are going to make you do it. And Chelsea keeps saying, I don't know what he possibly could have done to get in trouble. So she's kind of exonerating herself as this is all going on that like I wasn't mm -hmm. part of whatever is happening here. And the players are all watching as Ivan starts to explain to Wells what is going down. By the way, Natasha does an ITM here where she says, it must have been something to jeopardize this experience. So she's ITMing these things about she is the protector of the process. No one can mess with this process. It is a beloved, holy thing. And GSJ even says, Ivan doesn't strike me as someone who breaks the rules. Excuse me, what rules, GSJ? So it is a game then. Thank you for confirming that. But it is GSJ. It is Natasha primarily in these ITMs who are just like you're saying, they are the keepers of this. They are upholding the sanctity of it. And once we have enough official Bachelor Nation podcasts and podcast hosts, there will be an army of ex-players who do nothing but repeat the mantra of the show. 4TRR, can't break the rules. There are no rules. <laughs> this is the most 1984 shit we have yet seen. And it's only <laughs> going to get worse in the coming eras of our beloved game. I feel like we are really about to reach a turning point where it's players who say whatever the producers want and it's players who try to come in with a game plan. And those players, the game plan players, are going to get better and better and better. And I, I really am like, 
I think players like GS Joe and really any of the the company men, I think they're just doomed because they aren't going to be able to play the game in the same way. I had a dark thought when I saw what they were doing to Ivan this episode, which was, do you think this is revenge for his ultimatum saying that he wouldn't go to paradise if DLH was there? 100%. That factors in, yes, because he's gone against the show. He has stood against the monolithic power of producers, be that through the Dark Lord Harrison thing, or he was unionized. I mean, he was part of the the season 16 Bachelorette guys who issued their joint statement after the Bachelor season 25 women did it. And um, yes, they remember these things. They don't like people who do that, who go against them. And he has done that. And so now they put him in these precarious situations. And now here's one where they fucking literally are making this man. This is a grown human being sit on a fucking beach and apologize for going to someone's hotel room to talk to them. What the fuck are we watching? You have to understand he's jeopardizing this experience for everyone with what he's doing, Clues. How? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Nobody's going to give him a fucking rose anyway. He's not going to give anybody else a fucking rose anyway. This shit makes me (laughs) fucking crazy. All right, look, whatever. Let's just get into this. So he's sitting down with fucking Wells and, you know, he's telling him, (laughs) Wells says, do you have anything you want to tell me? And the players are all watching. GSJ say he doesn't look like he'd break all the rules and all these players are speculating that he probably left his room. And everyone says, though, he didn't knock on my door, so who could it be? And then Wells tells him that he should just be honest, and he admits that he was in a place where he felt lost in paradise, had no connections, and he didn't know where to go, so he spent time with Alexa Caves at the hotel. He was hoping she was going to be brought down to the beach at some point because that was the person he put on his fucking list, and the producers purposely held her back to fuck him over. So he sees an opportunity. Wells, at this point, by the way, is feigning high levels of stupidity. Well, wait a minute. How did this happen? I mean, she's not here. So how did this come about? As though he he can't put two and two together that they're in the same fucking hotel during, in quotes, the storm. So he forces Ivan to really explain it here. And he says that he found a producer's telephone in his hotel room (laughs) and the screen of that telephone was on the player's room numbers just laying out in the open that was planted just to let everyone know a hundred percent a producer put that in his room with that screen open wow correct this was my wowie moment of the week a producer (laughs) purposely put that in his room I assume all the producers got together because during ITMs in this night, he's telling them like, oh, is Alexa coming to the beach? I really want to see Alexa. I really want to see Alexa. And they're like, you know what we got to do? Put a phone in his room, leave it on the screen with the player's room number so he sees where she is. He'll go knock, knock her. 100% that's what they did. Can you imagine anyone listening, you or me, how long does it take you to realize your telephone's not on you? 10 seconds? Three seconds. Yeah. A producer's not just leaving their fucking phone laying around for a player unlocked on the screen screen (laughs) that shows you the player's room numbers. They set him up to destroy him. And that's exactly what they fucking did in this episode. I have never seen any level of manipulation this bad. I don't think this is just a blatant like, fuck you. We're taking you out. Here's my only question. Why didn't they film it? If this is a setup, they might have. But then it gets into the whole thing. Do we air the footage from the hotel? Because Mm -hmm. then what? It's just this weird thing where they're singling him out. I don't think they can do that. Mm. It's it's better to not have that footage. But 
Another piece of this is he says he made an impulse decision and he went to a room and they, and they uh, hit it off. Now, this is a knock-knock. People do this all the time in all the games, but they only do it if the producers set it up. Here, he's done one by himself. So this is a standard play within the game, within the context of Grocery Store Joe's rules or not rules. Ivan did one by himself. That ain't going to fly. If the producers can't 100% control everything you do, they're going to get fucking pissed at you, even though they're controlling to some degree what's happening here because they're manipulating him into this bad situation. And so once he admits this, Wells gets incredibly sanctimonious. Do you understand the problem here? Do you understand the gravity of this? Yeah, dude, there is none. There's literally none. I understand it's zero. Yeah, there's no gravity, dude. I was already going home. It's fine. Like there are moments in this show where I... I just hate it. Like, I hate the show. Yeah. The the producers and stuff, the apparatus that creates it. This is one of those moments because we're getting this tier of players now. Wells is one of them. These company men who are like, he's sitting on that beach pretending like Ivan killed somebody. Do you understand the gravity yes. of this situation? Oh, I, I talked to somebody who I told the producers that I liked and wanted to talk to. It seems like zero gravity to me. Are we okay? No, I have to leave now. And the producers kick him off of the fucking show. Ivan has to fucking say to him, it was wrong of me. I shouldn't have gone around the system, he says, but love makes you do weird, crazy things. I made a mistake. It was a giant mistake. They make him feel so bad about what he's done. You can see him. He's apologizing to Wells. He then apologizes to the group. We've seen his limo exit. He's like, I'm going to have to think about what I've done the rest of my life. And it's like, ugh, it's fucked up. It's totally fucked up. And I don't know what's going to happen to his Instagram account because of this. We're going to find out. We'll have some information on that on our mm. Friday show this week in Bachelor Nation where we cover everybody's Instagrams and stuff, what their movements are over the course of the week. But like, is he going to experience a Brendan Marais because he lied? I mean, they really play up the lie of the who pulled who. Yes. Who pulled whom? Which is completely irrelevant. But he makes this apology and then Wells is like, well, now you have to go face everyone and tell them basically. So he makes him go stand in front of them at the fucking podium. Wells lies to him, says, I think it would mean a lot if you told them. It means more coming from you. It's like, no, we just want to publicly flog you if that would be cool. And he cries. And then I have an ITM that he wants to love and wants to be in a relationship with somebody. And he pulls fucking tears in this ITM. And this is what the producers do to players. They knew he wanted to meet up with Alexa Caves. They prohibited him from doing it. Then they punish him for doing it. It's fucking insane. But this return to the beach after the storm, after this transgression against the producers and against everybody, after making the gravity of the situation so intense that no one can handle it, returning to the beach without using the leverage from the situation was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I don't know if I even realized this. He was in the driver's seat. You go see Alexa. You then come back to the beach empty-handed. Nah, 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 nah. You got a real opportunity here to go to the producers and tell them, here's the deal. I'm not coming back to the beach. I'm not giving you any footage of me apologizing or any of that shit unless Alexa comes back with me and we get to explore the relationship. He could have done anything he wanted here. And he could have self-eliminated, which they're going to make him do anyway, unceremoniously. Like after they drag him through all the fucking horrible bullshit that he had to deal with here, he could have, I think, turned this 
heavily to his advantage, and he just didn't do it. He walked right into their fucking trap. I also don't get why they wouldn't have brought Alexa at this point. Why not? Have them sit in it like they did with Brendan and Piper. Because as you saw for the rest of this episode, they had to tell us one million times that these relationships are getting serious and they're forming and fantasy suites are coming next week. It's just like, uh, they had to fucking get rid of basically the ne'er-do-wells so that now the only people left are really there for TRR. Mm. Even though Ivan was. He fucking tears in that ITM. He really did want to start something with Alexa. They just didn't give him the fucking chance. But that was my error. I thought he could have gotten a huge benefit out of this position that he was in, and he just did not exert any kind of effort to that end. Then, portion four begins. Ivan returns to the group. His head is hung low, and Wells stands next to him, Dark Lord style, in the rose ceremony area as he comes clean. (laughs) And you can see even that, like Wells can't do. Stand there and look imposing. He's not good at that either. And Ivan explains everything that he did to everybody. He apologizes for letting them down, apologizes to Chelsea. And he says he wasn't going to accept Chelsea's rose anyway. He's not in a mental space to accept the rose. And Chelsea ITMs that he showed his true colors and Ivan self-eliminates. So we think, but probably this was the producer's hand like it was, as we now know, with Brennan and Piper, which if you listen to our Digging Deeper coming out next Monday, we will have the clips from podcasts to prove that the producers kicked them off the show, not Grocery Store Joe. Riley tells Ivan, we're better than that, man. You're my brother, but I'm disappointed in you. And Ivan ITMs, I was being selfish last night, made a choice and will own that choice. I will live with this the rest of my life. Wells tells the group, I'm shocked. And Riley ITMs, I stuck my neck out for Ivan. We don't have to circumvent the system. And then he groans, groans from his gut at hearing his friend has been 40WR. All of this was... Strange. Bonsall even ITMs a full recounting of what Ivan did in his apology, and he says he's breaking the rules. Like, we get a lot of this, at least in my opinion. There is speech play here used by many players that lets us understand they know this is a game, and the producers control it, and to go against them is suicide. That's essentially what they're all kind of saying. When Riley's like, come on, you got to be better than this, man. Circumnavigating the system, that means going against producers. It's also like, what are the rules? There's a storm protocol for when everyone is halfway through paradise and has to go in a hotel. Like, Yeah, I'm sure they locked or didn't lock them in their rooms, but I'm sure they were like, this is your roommate. You guys are going to be staying here tonight. Don't leave your room. I'm sure they do that. Right. They have to have complete control. Or so they believe. I mean, that's really the problem with the show at this point. The producers demand such a level, a crazy level of control that's unnecessary. The show would actually be better if they didn't do this. But they will never give that up because the system is in place that has been there for 20 whatever fucking years. And the screws have only been tightened over the course of those years. And now we are where we are. Where it's people are being fucking losing followers, hundreds of thousands of followers, getting their brand deals revoked and stuff. Potentially because of how the producers are editing them. Say what you will about Brennan Marais. Yes, he said shitty things to Natasha. I'm not defending that. But the producers did choose to put that in the show. I feel like they should have just set up cameras everywhere. Free for all. Let all of the the people who are waiting to come down to the beach free. (laughs) Totally. I agree. Tidal wave (laughs) of free play. Free play where everyone thinks they're not being recorded. Portion five, we have the rose ceremony. SP gives to GSJ, Abby to Noah, Riley to Marissa, Mari to Kenny, Koof to Thomas, Chelsea Vaughn to Aaron, Natasha to Ed, Tia to James. And she says, you deserve to be here. Another keeper of the process. Goodbye to Blake Monar, Taddy Daddy, 
Dr. Joe Park, and Damar. Wells did offer a Tamsig here, a true Tamsig. Take a moment, say your goodbyes. He's trying. Too little, too late, Wellsy. And then they exit the beach without much fanfare. Those that remain give a cheers. We see Bonesaw getting a cheers for being patient and trusting the process. He's trying to company man here. He's like, look, I can do it. I can do the cult speak. Just let me in the game. And then Noah gives a cheers to pursuing what we all deserve, honesty, and finishing what we started. So he's getting in a little parting shot at Ivan there for his dishonesty. And portion six begins with some kind of weird game that they're playing where Becca Kufrin is throwing limes into people's glasses and yelling, if I make it in, you got to go streaking, creating her own forced nudity play, it seems like, but nobody is indulging that. And then Natasha tells Ed, you have to be open. She and Ed are both open, but they're running out of time as all their couples are making out constantly and we're getting this visual reinforcement that these couples are strong. They are moving forward. They are the ones who have to make the tough decisions coming right up. And Serena ITMs that you have to start having the conversations about making it work outside the beach. Wells gathers everyone and says, your new celebrity host is on the beach. They go down to the beach and surprise, it's Wells in a different t-shirt. What what the fuck was that? What was this? It was just an extra 30 seconds of nothing. Just start it on the shot of Wells saying, hey, this place is sacred to me. Marriages have happened, blah, 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 blah. Why have this thing like, go down there and find out what they're doing? It doesn't work. It's a waste of time. It's too much wells. This episode had a lot of problems. Trying to fill three hours, clues. (laughs) No shit. It really felt like it. They need that walking down to the beach. (laughs) I was like, fuck, put another commercial in this. I'd rather have that than fucking this goddamn bullshit you're making me sit through. Yeah. Give us another Michelle Young trailer. This episode was just like terrible. It was just terrible. He says he's seen his best friends get married here. Tiny little paradise babies have the hard convos in order to make sure your relationship works in the real world. He says, don't worry, I'll still be bartending, but go on dates, make out with people, and don't fight with people, he indicates to Aaron. It's like, yeah, exactly. what do you mean don't fight with people? That's your whole show. There's your show. He's like, don't fight with people unless the producers want you to fight with people, and then you can fight with people, but we will kick you off. There's a little drama between Kenny and Mari. Mari says Kenny's being weird. And he tells Mari he's been feeling weird the last couple nights, that he's worried he might be in a different place than her. Something might be missing emotional level-wise. And they bring up the issue of passion. Kenny feels that it's fizzling in the relationship. And he tells her this straight to her face. He doesn't want to get in over their heads if the passion is gone and if they think they're in a place that they're actually not. And then he asks her if she thinks they need to pump the brakes. She ITMs being blindsided. She plays some ITM tears here. And she says in the past, she's pulled back from relationships when she's felt this strongly, but she doesn't want to do that this time because Kenny is worth it. And then portion seven begins. Riley is working out. We check in on some of the strong couples. And Tia does a good job acting that she thinks she and Bonsall might last even after Paradise. And then we get (laughs) a brand new player coming to sand. It's Anna Redman taking up 38th sand officially. She has date card in hand. And she is greeted by Wells at the threshold to hell. She ITMs that she has done tons of therapy and is feeling confident about coming to paradise. And she explains to Wells that she was panicked on season 25, grasping at straws to survive. To survive what? Perhaps a game? Nothing is mentioned here (laughs) about what she actually did in season 25, which was spread an unfounded rumor that player Brittany Galvin was a sex worker. A rumor that Katie Thurston, who would be Bachelorette, 
claimed could potentially ruin people's lives. But now here's Anna Redman back and forgiven. Well, she does ITM that she's known for not being very nice and also her weird faces. So <laughs> not being very nice. That is the presumably a summary of the sex worker rumor. Weird faces. That's the summary of her face play. But it's just like time, I guess, of whatever. Not even that much time, like seven months or whatever it's been since fucking uh, January. It just is forgotten. In terms of heinous shit, they just kicked Ivan off because he went into somebody's hotel room. Anna Redman gets to come onto Paradise after... I mean, I don't know how much of that was true and how much the producers were just like putting out there, but like that to me is a little bit more of a, a drastic activity that she was engaged in. I don't see the gravity of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, she's getting a little bit of a Kelsey Weir Fuck. fool edit here. She's dabbing on pheromones perfume. Yeah. And Wells is like inhaling them like drugs. He's like, mm, she smells good. He's getting a little David Spade there. Learning from the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see her get rejected by several people in a row because everyone's in serious relationships. And finally, James says he's never been on a date. So she asks him. They go on the first one-on-one -on -one date. Her date card, by the way, even says the producers wrote into the fucking date card. The rumors are true. Paradise is the perfect place to fall in love. They're making a joke about it, about the rumor she spread. <gasps> I didn't notice that. Yeah. So the producers can make a joke about a rumor that could potentially ruin somebody's life. But if you fucking leave your hotel room after we plant a phone that tells you to leave your hotel room, we're going to fucking make you apologize on the beach to everybody. And then we're going to kick you off. I've just this episode, like so far all season, this is the worst one in terms of a producer manipulation. Well, you know, she was really respecting the process when she brought drama that could be used for the process clues. Yeah, it was probably a deal they made her. Look, you go in, you spread this rumor. We will definitely make sure you show up on Paradise with one day left to shoot. You will be 37 sand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's 38. Let's be real. <laughs> Sorry. 38. Portion 8 begins. We see Anna and James go on this date at something called Playa Mita. A lizard dragon crawls through the grass. Not my creature. Not mine either. But then we meet a lady. She appears to be someone who works at the spa. Maybe she is trained in the art of massage. She says, welcome to the most sensual spa in Mexico. Change your clothes. Anna Redman is ITMing already. She's excited about potential babies with James and his blue eyes. Now, the masseuse lady comes back. She instructs them to be a human churro. And this massage human churro snake trainer woman was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. This... Hotel employee, who I believe does not usually make guests roll in cinnamon and sugar and then place snakes on them, was also by... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. 
the whole time I'm watching this, and we'll get to the snakes in a minute. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, who the fuck is this person? It is clearly somebody who just works at the resort they're at. You don't think she's a snake trainer? No, I don't think she's a snake trainer. I would think that's the job that's important for this person to have. Eh, They're just like pythons or whatever. I don't think it's like that tough to walk around with them. But like, is she a chef? Does she make churros? I would guess no. Just in the same way, I don't think she handles snakes. That's why I think the snake handling is the part that you do want. I think a snake handler could easily do the churro part, but the the (laughs) churro expert couldn't do the snake part. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me just get this straight. So I understand what you're saying here. You believe they hired a snake handler to come with her snakes. You have to have a snake handler to have snakes like that on a set. And you don't think that she works for the hotel? No. Okay. You don't think she's a masseuse? She's dressed kind of like a masseuse. I think she's a snake handler dressed as a masseuse trained in the art of churros. I think she is a hotel employee who was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. That's what I think. (laughs) As what? What was her job in the hotel? Who fucking knows? Masseuse? Sure. Anything. I don't know. I think this is just a, a true bystander that they just went around and were like, hey, do you have anybody who would walk in with two snakes and make these people roll around in fucking chocolate sauce and cinnamon and sugar? And somebody raised their hand and it was her. And now she's in here. And for that, I give her my fucking award because that is some <laughs> hardcore love of the game or just not giving a fuck about anything. It's either hardcore love of the game or hardcore nihilism. Either way, she gets my award. Fantastic work. I mean, it's kind of what I love about Vargas is like some of these bystanders have to just act like what they are doing is a normal thing to ask two human beings to do. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, get in this fucking box and roll around in this shit. And you're like, okay, that was pretty fucking weird. So they do this. They're pouring chocolate all over each other. We have more food play. This has been kind of the theme of this paradise is people rubbing food on each other. Learning a lot about Mexican culture. (laughs) I mean, there's some more that comes up later. But we then see... They both lay down and we think, oh, okay, they they did the funny part of this date. Now they're going to shower yeah. off. They're going to lay down and get massages. And this person, whoever she is, brings out two pythons that are albinos and the pythons will be massaging them. So she puts these snakes on their bodies and these two snakes were strutting their stuff all over Anna Redmond. And James Bond saw these serpents were brought in for a specific purpose and they deliver big time, getting massive screen time, causing massive panic for the players and dominating this already strange date. These serpents were my... (laughs) Creature of the Week. These... Dual serpents that fondled the body of protector of the process, <laughs> boxman James Bonsall, and face play rumor expert Anna Redman were also my <laughs> creature of the week. You very rarely get a dual serpent. The serpent is a, a mm-hmm. very strong symbol. To have a dual serpent, it's just we're watching a satanic show and we'll have even more kind of uh, dark rituals performed later. The spirit guide dates are getting out of control. They're just, it, yeah. I mean, maybe it's like a COVID thing. It's like, this is just what we've got. You know, we can't really go to traverse landscapes or I don't, I don't know what 
or we're just giving everyone a fool at it. I don't I don't know, but I feel like the volume of spirit guide dates has escalated. Not only the volume, the demonic nature of them has escalated. Here we get two serpents. Later, we're going to get straight throwing idols into a fire pit. I don't know if you remember just one season ago, Bachelorette season 17, the final date between the winner, the boner smith from the north, Blake Moynes and Katie Thurston, was they had to go into the desert and pray to a giant flaming demon god. Oh, I remember. That happened on American television to a what I believe is a predominantly Christian audience. And it's just totally fine. <laughs> this show, I'm telling you, is satanic. Yeah. <laughs> like it literally is. And I'm okay with that. That's what I like about it. They're supporting your meme career. Totally are. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing no nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, 
It's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. So after they get rubbed down by these snakes, Anna Redmond and James Bonsall sit in a hot tub and drink champagne. They recount the events of the day, and he tells her that he was born in London, lived in Tokyo for a while, but now is part of that San Diego crew. And she tells him that she was born in a small town, is jealous of his life, and he says he has struggled to find his person, and she tells him that he caught her eye right away. We get some kissing in the hot tub. Anna Redmond's playing a strong chemistry game here. And back on the beach, Kufrin engages in open gameplay speech saying that Anna will want any connection because she's so late in the game. She literally uses the word game. This is one of the upholders of the process. They are exempt, of course, from any countermeasures taken against their open gameplay speech because they can say it. The double standard that is applied to the players by producers in this regard is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, but when they say it's a game, it's like, oh, it's like it's like a metaphor. It's like leave it all in the field. Like tell her how you feel. Yeah. It's a game like that. Sure it is. Portion nine begins with more footage of the strong couples kissing, making out, rolling around, whatever. We get it. This is really a three hour filler show of look how many people are kissing. Here's 45 minutes of Ivan apologizing for something that's <laughs> no apologies necessary. And then finally, we get. 39th sand, my Ken Adorn, the face god, descends the stairs. Noel's greeting. She emerges onto the beach with date card in hand. It reads, welcome to paradise. Love like nobody's watching. Because at this point, nobody is. This season has the worst <laughs> ratings of any Bachelor show in the history of the Bachelor. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Holy fuck. It was a roast. It was an attempt at a true roast. I'm glad that I succeeded. We get the entrance of Mykenna Dorn, which is interesting to me because we got a little preview of her at the tight ass party. And then I guess they just were like, not ready yet. You have to spend two more weeks in your hotel room. You get a little taste. She made a run at Thomas during the tight ass party. They had a good conversation, Mm -hmm. as she says later. Too bad. That's Becca Kufrin territory. You don't get to come in and fuck with that. If Kufrin wants someone, producers make sure she gets them and there are no threats toward that. So you just kind of got unlucky there. You were going after a target that was reserved for one of the made men. Her date card says, love like nobody's watching. She pulls Thomas, doesn't work. Then she seems to have a good conversation with Aaron. So she asks Aaron on the date. And he says, yeah, let's chat real quick. I've had a tough week. Emotionally, I wouldn't be able to put myself there on the date, which is... I mean, when you just think about what's to come, you know, he then emotionally puts himself there with another person, whatever. 
Yeah, he just didn't want to go on the date with her. And if you are a player entering Paradise late in the game, like McKenna Dorn is here, I believe she'll be the last player to enter, period. Mm -hmm. You don't do what she's doing. You don't go around talking to each person individually. You walk up to the group as a whole and you say, I have a date card. I am extremely late in the game. Raise your hand if you would accept a date from me. You make all the players do it right there in front of everybody. Whoever raises their hand, you make your selection and you ask them on the date immediately. I like that. And that's how you do that because the producers want you to go around and talk to each one of these players and be like, uh-huh. well, what, what would you say? What would you say? So that they can have all this footage. The sad girl footage. Yeah, they love it. You take control of that situation immediately because it's a situation that you're coming into having almost virtually no control. You have to exert dominance in that situation if you have any fucking hope at all. She is not prepared for that situation. She breaks down in tears, says in her ITMs that she's waited so long to come in and Aaron knocked her confidence down. And portion 10, we continue. She's crying on the beach that she didn't come here to feel stupid. And Tia points out to everyone that she's crying. She's crying. She's crying. <laughs> she's crying. And it's like all these players are just fucking up in the palapa watching her cry. Nobody's fucking going down there. And I'm like, they're setting up somebody. Who's going to do it? Come on. Who's going to step mm-hmm. up? Who's going to step up? This is perfect opportunity. Someone has to make this play. She's looking for a shoulder. And one smart gentleman or prodded by the producers steps up to the plate. And goes and performs an STCO. And this is why Ed Weisbrot got my play, 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 play of the game. He goes down there, says, I love talking to you. He says, I would love going out with you tonight if you'd be open to that. And she's like, nothing against you. I don't think the timing's right. I think it's going to go. I'm going to go home. And he pushes. And he says, I just got here. I know how you feel. Make the most of it. What's one more day? If you hate it, go home. I like your energy. I can relate to you. You've got waves. You've got paradise. And she says, okay. I mean, beautiful beautiful. He's creating so much screen time for himself while playing the hero. I mean, you don't have a lot of moves when you're late in the game. You have to make moves like this. And Ed Sprott is making those moves right now. And I thought this was such an impressive play, whether it was his idea or not. Couldn't agree more. This was also my... Play, 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 play of the game. As I said, the producers have created a situation here. It's like a big blinking light to all the players, all the guys anyway. Like, do this. It's right there. All you have to do is walk on the beach. Now, like you're saying, she does at first reject his offer. He has to keep playing and he's doing it perfectly. He's playing a nice guy here. He doesn't seem pushy at all. He's like, look, come on. What have you got to lose? You can't leave tonight anyway. Let's go on the date and have fun. And if you don't like it, fucking go home. It's like no big deal. You know, what have you got to lose? Basically is his strategy going into this. It works like a fucking charm. I have to say to say the phrase Ed Wastebrock got my play of the game seems like something I would have (laughs) never said in my life. And now I'm doing it. 
I completely agree with you. And there's another thing I'm going to say about him at another point, which I never <laughs> thought I would say about him. Spoiler alert. It's really like that thing of, it's similar to GSJ, honestly. GSJ has a, a longer kind of slow burn career, but he was a night one guy that you were just like, well, he'll never be important in this franchise again. And now he's one of the most important people in it currently. Ed Wastebrot, I'm not saying he'll ever be a GSJ, but despite the fact that he has been traditionally a pretty bad player, look at this. He seizes an opportunity that presents itself to maybe only a couple of players on the beach, but like he recognizes mm-hmm. it, or maybe the producers forced him, whatever. But he does capitalize. This is beautifully done by him. Hats off. And if you never do anything else in the game for the rest of your life, Ed Wastebrot, I'm going to... I won't remember you for this. I was going to say I'll remember you for this, but I will remember you most for the baby that they made you carry around in your season of Bachelorette and for (laughs) having drinks with Dark Lord Harrison in his lair. This will be the third thing I remember you for. My first thing I remember him for is his grandy coming out of that bubble. Yeah, the bubble grandy too. Like he was a baby being birthed. I forgot about the carrying around the baby. What was that for? It was for one of those challenges where you had to like be a grown ass man or whatever. And I think he lost it. It was basically like a dunce cap. Mm, Yeah, he's got a strong full edit through and through, but he's able to capitalize on these little moments. I mean, he made DLH's main grid with that. Yeah. During that week. A dark honor to be sure. A dark honor. Portion 11 then begins with Natasha ITMing her reason for giving a rose to Ed was that he seemed interested in getting to know her. But now Ed took McKenna on a date and he wasn't even asked to go on that date. It doesn't feel great. And then we go to the one-on-one and we see McKenna and Ed. They walk into the hotel and there are rollerblades with helmets and there are arrows on the ground to guide them as they rollerblade around in these kind of sparkling, glittering, they have lights in the wheels, rollerblades. They blade into an elevator. They blade around the hotel lobby. They blade into a room with a little (laughs) dinner set up and a disco ball. And they sit at the table and she finally admits like, this is actually pretty fun. And she thanks him for coming down to the beach because she would have been on her way home if it wasn't for him. And she says it was, it was one of the worst days, but now it's turning around and they blade around some more as McKenna ITMs that he's a good guy, which she's been missing in her life. And Ed and McKenna get that kiss. We see Natasha back at the beach saying, I'd planned on spending my whole week with Ed after feeling so unwanted, feeling so played. It's hard to be hopeful about time in paradise. All that happens in my mind is I rewind the whole experience. I can't get out of it. She ponders into the dark ocean and I guess is deciding to play an IFI here that she's going to succumb to an illness. Yeah, I wish we could have gotten some more out of that. I don't know if that's real or not, but this shit that she said about how Everything in paradise, all the shit that has fucked her over just plays again and again in her mind. She can't get out of it. I was like, that's some of the darkest shit we've heard. That was like, forget mm-hmm. his name, the dude on Listen to Your Heart saying that being on The Bachelor was worse than war. Brandon Mills. Yeah, Brandon Mills said that being on Listen to Your Heart was worse than being in war, which he had been in. <laughs> but this was similar to me. A similar kind of dark prison of the mind that while mm-hmm. you're in paradise, all you're doing is thinking about the shit that is going on there and what's happened to you, and there's no way out of it. The prison of the mind is real. I mean, that's what like Ivan sounded like when he was leaving. He's like, I'm I'm gonna live with this forever, as if he had like abandoned his friend on the battlefield or something. Well, I think these players, I mean, when you're in the bachelor world, it's the most important thing in your life by a huge mm. margin. Because if you do it well, you're gonna get a fucking influencer yeah. career, making shitloads of money for making posts on your fucking Instagram. Feast or famine. Feast or famine. That's right. 
So when you're in a situation like this, especially where Ivan was, where he's like, I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of my life. It's not just like, oh, that I lied to Chelsea or whatever. It's that I fucked up my chance of maybe getting Mm -hmm. 100,000 more Instagram followers. That's really what he's going to be thinking about for the rest of his life. And I think Natasha is to some degree thinking of that too. Yeah, she's got clickbait. At this point, she doesn't know that she's going to have a 400,000K increase after the Brenda Mariah incident. Mm -mm. She's like, fuck, is this ruining my chance? She has no idea. I mean, Ivan also... You know, he was in talks for like being a possible next bachelor, you know, and that's out when you get an edit like this. Of course. And that's something that all incoming players should know about Paradise. Whatever you were in your rookie season of Bachelor or Bachelorette, don't mean shit. They're going to use you however the fuck Mm -hmm. they want. Just ask Baylock I. Baylock I knows all too well. Many players know all too well. But if you're not a Bachelor Nation podcast host... You could easily be discarded, no matter how high up the chain you think you are. If you're not a protected player, then you're not a protected player, period. They'll use you for however they they think is best. (laughs) Portion 12. Sarita P. and Grocery Store Joe are talking about their plans, their future casting up a storm. That They live in different countries, but they're going to make it work because they want to. And then... A random woman walks down the beach. (laughs) And everyone knows this is not a player, a new player. I guess because of her outfit. Oh, fuck. Yeah, no shit. But also they, because they can see her and it's not a player. (laughs) I mean, there's like night one people that come in all the time. In my mind, I was like, why don't they assume this could be a new player? But. Because I don't think she came down the stairs. It wasn't during the day. She emerges literally from the fucking shadows on the beach while they're all just like standing around talking. She just fucking comes up to him like an apparition. God damn this shit fucking. Ah, it was so fucking funny and weird. Well, this lady is a priestess slash bruja here to clean energies. Mari helps translate a lot of what she's saying. Says she's a witch who hopefully can bring down her remaining walls. She's a wall witch. And then the witch takes Kenny and Mari away into the night and she takes them to a fire, forces them to discuss their relationship and Mari admits working through a rough patch. The witch then says that she's going to clean the energies that they don't need anymore and the witch tells them that they need to honor their passion by putting smoke on each other, which they do. Thomas then has this strange, colorful narration where he's very into this. He's very jealous of this date that they're getting that he's watching. He says this is one of the coolest experiences you could have here. Thousands of years of tradition are in this ceremony that's going on. (laughs) He is obsessed with the Bruja. They clean off their exes with candles. They clean their energies with a smoking goblet. Kenny tries to explain why he's love level three with Mari that they're meant to meet here. Mari plays a sacred word defense, so she doesn't take the love levels lightly. She loads a precog. And all while they're doing this, they're rubbing these candles, I guess, on each other's bodies to kind of maybe absorb the energy or whatever. And I have to say, it looks like Kenny is trying not to laugh through all of it. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) But then the witch ultimately makes them pray together near the fire and throw these candles that have now absorbed all their negative energy into this fire, which erupts in a giant blaze. They're performing a witchcraft ritual Mm -hmm. on The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Are you saying we inspired it with our rituals? I'm not saying that I inspired it necessarily or you inspired it necessarily or we inspired it necessarily. I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm just saying that This is the same show 
that has Matt James coming out and reciting a Christian prayer to begin the show. And now in paradise, they're allowed to do definitely not Christian rituals. I find that very interesting. Hmm. It is interesting. But after this ritual, it seems like Kenny and Mari are repaired by the witch, and she and Kenny make out on daybed to show us that. And then GSJ explains to the other players that this is when people start figuring out if they want to pursue things after the show. Really? I haven't heard that yet, GSJ. Certainly not this episode. Certainly not 200 fucking times. And then Noah ITMs that he and Abigail are one of the strongest (laughs) couples on the beach, and he wants to use this week to figure it out by moving into the real world, and he loads that he hasn't raised his love level, but he's ready for it. And then Noah has this conversation with Abigail. He says, I'm going to put it all out there. It's hard because I'm more than like you. I'm definitely falling in love with you. And I can see it working in the real world. Love level three. And then we don't really see a response from her. We get Noah's ITM that she just froze and that maybe she has a wall or a guard up. Portion 13 begins. Ed reveals to McKenna that he is 37. And Abigail and Serena P. find a totally 80s paradise prom sign. And everyone explains what prom is, says it's the last dance before the summer. But then sometimes they explain it as like it's signifying the end of the summer. It's winding down. A lot of mixed metaphors here. (laughs) I'm, I'm so confused when I'm watching this. Like, what is actually happening here? We've seen a date with... Two people rolling around in cinnamon and sugar and snakes get put on them. We've seen a witchcraft ritual. Now we're going to see an 80s prom. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this? What are the producers doing? We're in a fever dream, Clues. Totally. And, And usually Paradise has some elements like that. But I don't... Like, this season, I think, is really ratcheted up. I don't think we've seen this many kind of big set piece attempts at, like, comedy or making you uncomfortable or whatever. This 80s prom thing, to me, just feels completely out of place and strange. Like, why an 80s prom? What what significance does that have? I feel like it was a vision of a producer. They were like, we can have them performing the song Super Freak, and they'll all have these crazy outfits on. Well, the Paradise theme song is an 80s song. And that. And they'll have them. Right. They'll have the King and Queen of Paradise perform the theme song. That probably is what originated it. I think they're probably like, what's worked for us in Paradise? We loved when John Paul Jones gave Taisha prom and she had never been. Right. I mean, it's definitely a thing they do on Love Island where they do like a huge dance party towards the end as like an important moment with all the couples. I can see them being like, we'll have them perform to the theme song and we'll have some horrific emotional trauma that we will make happen at the dance. So it'll be very like... Totally. The high school dance drama. It'll make everyone feel all of the stress of high school and being not picked for the slow dance, etc. We then see a series of what Chelsea Vaughn calls later promposals, where GSJ does a castaway themed one where he carves prom with a log in sand and screams for Serena P from the Palapa. Thomas blindfolds Koof and shows her balloon letters that say prom. Riley blindfolds Marissa with his hand and reveals giant bears and a prom balloon. So the producers have also set up some of these prom proposals, like the bears and the balloon. That's Riley didn't bring those to paradise. Yeah. I think they set up all of them. None of this show is real. That's why I'm saying Ivan was set up. That cell phone was 100% <laughs> left in his fucking room. After all these proposals, we get Natasha playing her IFI 
She's laying in bed and we have not heard from her for a while. And Tia says she has no one to hang out with at prom because Natasha is sick. We'll never know if it's a real sickness. I mean, maybe we will. Maybe they'll say it on clickbait, like what she was actually sick with. I'm kind of curious, but it also could just be stress. Like they really did put her through the fucking ringer. She's protected Mm -hmm. for sure. She's not going to get a bad edit. That's 100% certain. But she has been through it. And I can see how like that can take a toll on somebody. And you're just like, fuck it. I'm staying in bed for this one. You guys can go fuck yourselves. And also it's like, what? You want there to be two single women at this prom to get like sad girl edits? No, thank you. I'll get sick. I'll get a sick girl edit instead. Kenny's promposal is, of course, him nude with a poster board in front of his dick. What else would it be? (laughs) He should have just come out fucking totally naked and written, will you go to the prom with me on his dick? That would have been Mm. what I would have expected. But he didn't do that. I mean, he's over twice the age of a high schooler. You got to give him some credit here. (laughs) (laughs) and then the the final thing that we see at the end of portion 13 is serena pitt pulling off a beautiful hooju on the beach with gsj as everybody's getting ready to go to their prom congrats to serena pitt beach hooju not easy to do she does get high mount nice cling i couldn't really see if it was double ankle lock or not but it did look very close if it wasn't it was close but i think she might have gotten it so i congratulate you and i thank you for giving me that beautiful display of the subsport And then portion 14 begins. Everyone is dressed and ready. And we get GSJ and Noah hitting the seriousness of the night hard once again. All of this bullshit filler about we got to have these conversations. Oh, the conversations are coming tonight. This is like the conversation episode. Noah gives Abigail a corsage and she ITMs an LL3 loading, but not LL4 yet, she says. And then they enter the prom. We hear Super Freak as the score, and then we pull out to reveal it's actually source music from a local cover band on the stage. It's practical. And this seems to be the same room, maybe, where they had the tight-ass party, just redecorated. Seems like it. And this is where they give Wells the comedy bit. He's pouring alcohol seemingly into the punch bowl. This is a criminal act. Yeah, a trope that definitely does not hold up. Why would you include that? They think it's funny, and he's trying to do a comedy bit. Maybe it was even his idea. I'm not sure. Oh, I could, like, spike the punch. You go to jail for that now. Everyone dances. Tia is dancing between (laughs) Thomas and Kufrin, which was kind of a funny little shot. And then Wells pulls out this weird MC moment. He thanks the band, who I think is called Black Sheep, and he's trying to do this weird comedy bit where he's like, okay, everybody, make your voices heard, because later this evening, it'll be prom king and queen and superlatives. He's just kind of talking loud in a strange accent. It, to yeah. me, did not work at all. No, I I was confused by the accent. I didn't understand what he was going for. Aaron pulls Tia during a slow song, although Tia has been saying how she's the only single person at prom. Aaron says, paradise is coming to a close. I don't want to regret not doing things. I have something for you. He cringles her a corsage and they make out hard. Notice during this makeout, someone's not present. It's Chelsea Vaughn. When Chris Conran did this with Alana Milne, the producer sent Jacinia up the stairs so she could see this happen. In this case, they do not do that. Why do you think that is? It's because Tia is involved. She is a mm. made man. They're not going to blow her up like that. So they keep Chelsea Vaughn downstairs. She doesn't get to see this. This is, I mean, literally, it's the exact same thing that happened with Connor and Milne. Right. Exact same thing. 
One instance, the producers destroy those players. This instance, they save at least Tia. And even when Tia's walking down the stairs, when they're coming back from the mail, she's like, Chelsea's going to be pissed at me. And he's like, nah, she'll be pissed at me. And she's like, I'm going to blame you. And he's like, yeah, you could blame me. She's even doing it, you know? They definitely give it. We don't see like it all blow up or anything. Like, I mean, we get Chelsea saying, I think I could have at least gotten a conversation, but it's all played very like maturely. Yeah. Like whatever. (laughs) That's just how paradise rolls. GSJ is not called in to fucking kick Aaron off the beach, which again, we now know GSJ didn't kick anybody off the beach. It was the producers. They just used GSJ as the mouthpiece. I think in earlier times, it probably would have been Dark Lord Harrison, but they don't have him. So they're like, part of being a made man is we'll protect you, but you kind of got to do what we say. And when we put a hit on somebody, you fucking take them out. And so that was GSJ's role in at least two instances on this season of Bachelor in Paradise. Chelsea Vaughn does get a good line in here in her ITM that Aaron fucked my prom. We come back for portion 15 and Wells calls everyone down for the traditional prom (laughs) awards, I guess. (laughs) Did you have any doubt in your mind, by the way, when he announced that this was going to happen, that grocery store Joe would be the king? No. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Of course. I demand also to see all the votes. Show me the votes. Oh, the votes are fucking bullshit. Correct. (laughs) Most likely to live happily ever after is Abigail and Noah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Release the votes. Release the fucking votes. <laughs> so it, they're just like clearly photoshopped fucking. God. I mean, there's no way any of this is real. Biggest flirt is Kenny. Best kisser of toes is Marissa. Most likely to live happily ever after is Abigail and Noah. Abigail ITMs that it was the validation she was looking for. <laughs> I was like, that's the validation you were looking for? Yeah. <laughs> is this award at a fake fucking prom given out by Wells? The producer planted award. <laughs> Jesus Christ. (laughs) And she says she's going to love level three, probably during a slow dance tonight. And the king and queen, of course, are Joe and Serena. Had to be a podcast host. They take the stage and get literal fucking crowns. There is a shot of GSJ wearing a golden crown with a sash that reads king on it. They are pumping that into your fucking brain. Now go listen to his podcast. He's the king of paradise. It's incredible what they're doing with the marketing here. They get their little spotlight dance and all the other players have to watch. Abigail ITMs her LL3 load again. She will tell Noah tonight, she says. And balloons are releases. Everybody slow dances and kisses. We get a little one-on-one time with Noah and Abigail and he tells her that he love level threes her. That is, he is falling in love with her, but he doesn't know what to do with that. And then we get an ITM from him where he talks about fantasy suites coming up and how it would be a disservice to have this feeling in his gut and then continue on with Abigail. He brings up her battery action as LL3 and he says that it would have worked out if she had done it last night, but now it's too late. He thinks he can love someone without being in love and he knows what he needs to do. He basically wants to dump her and not hurt her. And we see a little bit of a tear play and that is the end of portion 15 and we know what's coming in portion 16. More tears. A prom breakup. He tells Abigail they've been the most fun couple on the beach, but he's been trying to force something when he knows deep down she's not his person. He struggled with these feelings and thought maybe that feeling would go away. And Abigail says, I don't know if I've ever been this blindsided before. How do you go from love level three me the night before to this conversation? And he continues to say, I've lost sleep over this. She says, 
I don't know what you want me to say. I'm confused, annoyed. You've been pushing me to get on your level, lost sleep, but you still chose to say the love level three. Feel like I was lied to. He's like, it doesn't have to do with you. You're just not my person. She's like, I don't want to hear that phrase again. (laughs) (laughs) And they break off. He's trying to still talk to her, but she says, I'm going to the bathroom. Abigail can pee. Abigail can poop. At least in this instance. This is a reference to Taj can't pee. Taj can't poop, which we still have never come to the bottom of. We will eventually. I think we'll hear about the peeing and pooping stories. We'll get that footage. But (laughs) something also interesting happens in this where she takes off her corsage during the dumping, which I thought was a, a very nice moment. Nice move. She's taking a little bit of the power back here, but She gets up, walks away from him, and she goes to that bathroom. And the final shot of this episode is Noah sitting and staring into the night as Abigail cries in the bathroom. And then we get the promo. Little John tells us the most dramatic finale in Paradise history. We see Becca and Thomas have a tear-filled conversation. GSJ and Serena Pitt, LL4. Becca runs to Thomas. Marissa cries. Kendall returns. Pitt has some tears. We see those sparklers. And then we get the tag of a workout montage. It is James and Aaron working out, and Tia is watching them talking about their bromance and says that if one went home, the other would self-eliminate. Straight gameplay speech here. There was one thing that we did not mention that I wanted to just talk about briefly because I found it to be the funniest part of the episode. It was when Anna Redmond comes to the beach, and she's pulling the different guys to talk to them and see what the situation is, and she pulls Thomas. And Thomas tells her that your bad decisions do not dictate who you are here. It's an open, inviting, welcoming place here. He literally says that after he's almost Uh gotten in fights. We just watched all these other fucking fights. They just kicked off Alana Milne, Chris Conran, Brennan Marais, Piper James, and Ivan Hall. They forced them to leave. The producers did. It is the most open, inviting, welcoming place. I was just like, how is this fucking guy saying this shit? He's just, that's a straight lie. He knows it's not. Did he miss the Ivan Aaron conversation earlier that day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally happened that fucking day. It was just crazy to me. I thought it was worth bringing up as it seems like there are hard lines being drawn now within the nation of company players versus players who are like, come on, we're all here for Instagram followers. It's the uh-huh. truth versus the lie, which is something we talk Definitely. about on our show all the fucking time. The lie of this game is that it is about finding love. And while, yes, that can happen and certainly does happen for people, what the game really is, is 30 players come in, or in the case of Paradise, almost 40, all seeking big Instagram bumps. Anything else is a fucking lie. So for him to sit here and say it's an open, welcoming place, it's like, it's no coincidence he's dating Becca Kufrin. Mm -hmm. She's coaching him in this shit, I'm sure. Like, look, when you do ITMs and stuff, like you got to praise the process. You got to be like on board with this shit. Because if they are serious and they're talking about like a life after this, I'm the host of fucking Bachelor Happy Hour. You're going to have to come on that show at some point. You're going to have to toe the company line, period. Mm-hmm. This is my fucking livelihood, dude. Do you think they're still together? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm wondering like, was he trying to say that differentiating it from being on the main game? Like, this is more welcoming than Bachelor? Sure. Yeah, because it was in reference to her saying, I had like a bad Mm -hmm. time on season 25. And he's like, whatever you did on season five doesn't define you. This is a different thing. It's open, honest, welcoming. But it's not any of those things. It is not welcoming by any fucking means. He also doesn't know that he got another villain edit earlier this season. (laughs) 
Not at that point, but he definitely knows Chris Connor and Alana Milne were allowed to stay in paradise for about 16 hours before they were fucking kicked out. That's not very welcoming in my humble opinion, but that does it. That rounds out all of our analyses of tonight's three hour fucking game. Gosh, I am so curious how this is going to go because I feel like there is becoming a huge dividing line, like you're saying, yeah, between the two two camps and I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to go. Oh, an official prediction. This ain't a prediction. This is a promise. Oh, a manifestation. Yeah. That I think we're directly involved in. Mm. Hardcore players are going to get very good right around the corner and you can't stop them. I mean, you can't. Yeah. How do you stop a player who is like, I want to be, the bachelor. I want to be the bachelorette. I want to have a million followers and I know exactly how to do it. I know exactly what to say in every scenario. Mm -hmm. I can trick the players, the producers, everybody. We wrote that fucking blueprint. You take away their folders. You don't, you're not going to need the folders. You just have to memorize it. Like we're seeing these stutter steps of players trying to come in to game the system and like thinking that they've come up with the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. They haven't. Nobody has hyperbinged. We actually do know the right way to do it. We have written a book about how to do that. That book will be available in January. From that moment on, <laughs> who the fuck isn't going to read it if you're going into the game? You're right. only going to see people doing those things correctly. And then it's really going to come down to gameplay. Who's the better game player? Because everybody's going to be for TRR. Nobody's going to talk about Instagram followers. Nobody's going to give you a fucking hint that they are there for TWR. That will never happen after maybe a year. And then what are you going to do? I wonder if at that point it'll evolve back into like being like, well, if I want to get cast, I have to have a 4TWR storyline. They'll do that for one or two people a season. But no, the Mm -hmm. vast majority still, they have to uphold the lie. And so you're just going to have players who are really good at the lie now. Yeah. So far, we've seen people getting caught in the lie time and time again. Mm -hmm. Very soon, there's going to be people that you can't catch in the lie. And then... Uh, to me, that's the most beautiful era of the game. I think there's probably already been people we can't catch in the light. Totally. I'm 100% certain of that. But I'm talking about high-level motherfuckers. You know, if you found out Hannah Brown had like a written-out mm-hmm. game plan six months before she went into Bachelor that included, I'm going to get to this level. I'm going to drop my fucking mm-hmm. love level here. I'm going to you know, pivot to become Bachelorette. That's going to happen in the next three years, I think. Because it's, I mean, shit, we just saw the Michelle Young promo. A guy fucking comes in with plans. This is not isolated events. It's going to happen again and again and again and again. And I'm here for it. I think it has to, because if you actually want to find love, why would you do this? Why would you ever do this unless you want to be famous? It's way too much shit to go through. Absolutely. You need to get a payoff. Yes, completely. Yeah. Even just statistically speaking, you're going up against 30 other people to, in quotes, find love. The odds of you doing it, whether you're 4TWR, 4TRR, are fucking almost zero. The odds of you walking out of it with 200K plus Instagram followers are way higher than you walking out of there with a ring. Way higher. Mm -hmm. That's maybe half the fucking the crew or maybe like 10 people out of a season will do that, you know? So you got a, a third shot at that. So... All I'm saying is anybody out there who's listening, if you want to make a deep run on any of these shows, Bachelor and Bachelorette specifically, but if that interests you and you're thinking about going in for TWR, having a plan, 
reach out to us. DM me. <laughs> I will. I'm not shitting you. I'll help you formulate mm-hmm. a strategy. I'll help you get into the show. I know a thing or two about what that process is like. I'm happy to help. And I think I can honestly give you an airtight strategy going in that will not be detected. And you won't be able to bring in pamphlets and shit. You'll have to memorize the things I'm telling you. But I think over a series of, you know, a few months or whatever, having some Zoom calls with people, figuring out what your stories are, what your PTCs might be, when you should play them, kind of going through different scenarios you might encounter and what would be the best plays in those scenarios. I think just even having that knowledge, even if you don't want to play like a hardcore 4TWR game, even having that knowledge is going to help you in whatever your fucking goals may be. So... God... We're never getting on clickbait. <laughs> I think we will. I still think we're going to get on clickbait. When, <laughs> when that book comes out, it's going to be like, how will they not talk to us? We'll find out. At any rate, thank you everyone out there for listening. All future players, again, DM me if you want to go in with a strategy and I'll be happy to help. And for everyone else, thanks for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big three-hour game. We will be back in 48 short hours with this week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to be talking about everybody's Instagram gains and some losses potentially as a result of what we witnessed tonight. I'm very curious to take that data and see what the fuck happened. I'm especially curious about what is going to happen to Ivan. Hopefully nothing, Hmm. in my humble opinion. I think the Brendan thing is like such a specific targeting. I would be surprised, but... I don't know. I feel like the fourth audience got blood in its mouth and it's, Mm. it's going to want to keep doing what it's doing. Time will tell. So, who was your MVP? For my play of the game, STCO, transitioning himself into being on a one-on-one date he wasn't even asked on, and coming out as, I believe Tia described him as a knight in shining armor, for being my most improved player, Ed Weisbrot was my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
literally forbidding me from even talking to her. That's the show. It's not about finding love. It's about controlling these people until they have fucking nervous breakdowns, unless you're a made man. And then it's about controlling them to wear a fucking crown and a sash that says king on it. God. By the way, I think I forgot to do my error. Noah's love level three raise was my error, 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 error of the game. He brushed past it. Your love levels, you should treasure them. They are a very important part of your toolbox. They are emotional moments that the show should be building to. You should load them with everyone. You should load them in your ITMs. Build up what a big deal it is for you. You should definitely say it in a way in which your partner realizes that you're upping your love level. <laughs> yes. You absolutely should not <laughs> totally. blaze through it as a aside that they think is a mistake. <laughs> no. The love level one can be done in a simple sentence. Anything that has the word love in it, though, love level two, three, or four, the proper delivery of these levels is hopefully you've got a wall built up on like a one-on-one date or something or in paradise, it could just be throughout the day. And then at night or at the end of the date, you say, the reason I've been, it's been so hard for me to open up is because this is getting very real for me. And this is very hard for me to say. It's scary, but... I love you. I'm falling in love with you. Whatever the love level may be, I'm starting to fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. You do a buildup of it, hopefully that is banked off the end of a wall you played earlier in the day. That's the proper Mm -hmm. execution of a love level. There are many ways to do it, but certainly I agree with you. The way Noah chose to do it was not it. (laughs) That was definitely not it. Mm -mm. And you also don't do it the day before you're going to dump someone. Not that that was necessarily the plan. I don't know. In paradise, it's like time is compressed. I feel like a lot of shit goes down in a quick succession. That I don't fault him for necessarily. But that was it. That was the coverage of our big game. Thank you, everyone. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,128 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) 
I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.